Welcome to the SUMC podcast, where I hope to encourage you towards life and church revitalization, and I'm your unofficial source for revitalization within the local United Methodist Church. I'm doing this because I serve within the United Methodist Church and have seen an across-the-board issue of discipleship and seek to use the knowledge that I have, and more importantly, what I'm learning on my own journey with those of you who may have been struggling for years, or perhaps you're just starting out and might have some ideas and don't know what to do. So let's walk this journey together. Today I'm going to be continuing the conversation about the discipleship plan and discipleship essentials. Last time I talked about those essentials being worship, a Bible study group, which is hopefully transformational, other types of groups, like a study group around a particular topic, or perhaps just a fellowship group where you grow together and uh, do life together, and then missions, um, local, regional, and world, inside the church missions and outside the church missions. And so what I want to talk about today is getting the conversation within your church started about groups and what groups are going to look like in your church. Groups are an essential ingredient, probably the essential ingredient. You might think it's missions and doing stuff. The problem with those things is they become programs, and one person ends up leading and doing all the work, and when they get tired or overworked and they step out, nobody takes their place or it completely changes to something else and can create some issues within the church. So as part of the discipleship process, groups are about raising up facilitators, disciplers, leaders within the group, and you essentially, if you're one of those leaders or facilitators, you want to understand that you're replacing yourself. And don't think of it as a bad thing. Think of it as you're discipling somebody to take your place so that you can move on to the next ministry that God is calling you to. That's the whole point of church. We're to equip and build people up, the saints, for ministry. You yourself were built up at one time. Now you are a leader, and you are called to raise up new leaders, bring new people into this Christian journey with you, raise those people up to whatever their giftings will be so that they then can equip other saints for the work of the church. So we got to get the right idea of what groups look like in a church. And you also need to understand that your groups in your church even though you might have the same kind of title like life group or growth group, you might not necessarily be doing the same things as other churches. It might not work in your church what's working in another church. And that's a general truth. Just because something's working in a church that might look exactly like yours, doesn't mean it's going to work in your church. There's different people, there's different personalities, there's different history, there's a different culture. Um... And it's in a different place, in a different community. Things are just different. Things won't gel in your church like they might another church. But groups are still important. You just need to know what works within your church. And like with anything, you might think, well, we've tried this before. Well, what you've done in the past hasn't worked. Keep going. Keep figuring out what works. Keep moving forward. Always say, hey, let's give this a try, but then give it like six months. I mean, really give it its time. Don't try one or two meetings and nobody comes. You have to plant seeds. You have to water those seeds. 
you can't force it to grow. You gotta give it its time. You gotta let the Holy Spirit work. You gotta be in prayer. You gotta let God stir up the hearts of others and build that momentum, and it'll catch. So that's with anything, just like groups. So within your discipleship team, talk about groups and what they look like, but then your discipleship team is that initial group. So whatever you decide to do, do it as a discipleship team, because then you've done it, you have the experience of it, and then as a discipleship team, say you're four people, then you all will start your own four groups when that six month passes, but you're going to continue in your group once a month. So you want to understand the difference between open versus closed group. Open groups just mean that the group's ongoing for a designated amount of time. Anybody can join at any time. Closed groups are you have a specific window where people can join your group and a certain number of people can join the group, but then that's it. The reason for closed groups is because you become a tight-knit group on purpose to grow together, and as soon as somebody's introduced into that at a later time, it disrupts the gelling and the momentum that has been built, and you essentially start over even when somebody else is added to the group. No matter how they fit, no matter how they might know other people in the group, that dynamic's going to change. You might have heard of this as called a covenant group, where you come in covenant together for a designated amount of time, at the same time, the same day, every week, and you study something or you do something together as that group, and then you agree that you're going to end at a designated time, the group will have served its purpose, but therein too you need to figure out what that purpose is. And in a discipleship process, and in a ministry, that group should multiply and reproduce itself. And that's true for any group. It needs to multiply itself and reproduce itself. So what that means is if you're studying something like the book of Acts, like we are here at SUMC, and we're using N.T. Wright's study guide and his commentary, he breaks it down really well. Um, I even create a study sheet where I pull from both and formulate it to what works for our group here. And then anybody that's coming to this Bible study can take those materials and reproduce it, meaning they're going to use the exact same things that we use. They're going to use the commentary, the study guide, and the notes guide for conversation and facilitation. Um, and then they can do whatever they want with that, but they're going to still use the same material, so it's going to be reproduced. The multiplication happens because they then have started their own group, so the core group has multiplied. So open versus closed, always have the idea that they're going to multiply and reproduce. The other thing that you want to consider is, is your group going to be transformational, or is it going to be simply fellowship? Hopefully it's both, but oftentimes the focus tends to be on fellowship. The camaraderie grows, the learning doesn't necessarily happen in a way that it should. A transformational group, the whole focus is to become different people through studying uh, God's Word or something topical related to God's Word, and to maybe do things together that are outside your comfort zones, but enough to cause you to grow and be willing to do things. So a fellowship group can be great because a fellowship group, like 
if you like skiing or golfing or things like that, you can start a fellowship group. Just make sure that there's some transformational element within that. So you'll hang out, have dinner together, uh, do fun things together, but then maybe you'll read a book together and you'll talk about what you've read um, around the dinner table or you know on the links when you're when you have a moment to chat or when you're sitting at the top of the slope skiing or when you're in the gym uh, between sets so fellowship versus transformational but really the focus of both should be on some kind of learning that causes real growth real change uh, your journey forward in your Christian walk so I really think you're going to need them both eventually but with your core group with your discipleship group Decide on what's going to work best for you as a group. But then your heart might be stirred up, for example, if your discipleship group is transformational first, which it probably will be because you're going to try to transform the culture of your church and one another. But your heart might be stirred up where you just feel like you still feel lonely even within that group. You might need a fellowship group. So begin to explore that and then ask one or two people in your group if they would consider helping you pilot another group. I don't know, it's just an idea, but give it six months. Give it a shot. Why not? So remember, the first group for your process is always going to start with your discipleship team because you're the leaders. You have to lead your church. People are not going to follow you if you're not doing it yourself. So whatever discipleship plan you come up with and when you start with your understanding of groups, understand that you're going to be walking this journey ahead of the others in order to guide the others through that discipleship process, that journey in your local church. Sounds like work. It is, but man, is it exciting. It is exciting and it's good and it's awesome. So do it together. Figure it out together. Work out the kinks. Keep it simple and agree to multiply into other groups when you're done. You can even pair up if you want. And always be praying about who to ask to start another group, even if it's six months, seven months down the road. Now, if you're a new pastor in a church, and by now, as it's December, that I'm looking at the date, probably been in church for six months, you're starting to understand the culture of your church. Maybe it's been a year, maybe two years. Um, and you're starting to understand the dynamics, the influencers, uh, the people of peace, the community. And so you might have a, an understanding of what you might need to do. Well, do it slowly. <laughs> do it slowly. I said in a previous podcast, if you think it's going to take a week, it's going to take a month. If you think it's going to take a month, it's going to take three. If you think it's going to take three, it's going to take six months to a year. But that's okay. Do it slowly. If you've been there a while, maybe three years or more, uh, what are you no longer seeing? Have you fallen into the status quo? Have you felt like you're beating your head against the wall? Are you getting to know people too well? Are you playing favorites? Is it time to reach out to new people? So in other words, what questions do you need to ask yourself and then your leadership to begin to understand how to grow deeper in your faith and your understanding of your church and the community? But don't do it just to grow your church or to survive in order to pay the bills. That's, we serve a greater God. You know that. Believe in that, trust in that, pray towards that, and move towards that. 
if we always have our heads down in prayer looking at our toes, begging God to help, perhaps all we're really going to do is just start worshiping our toes. Sometimes we need to just look up and say, I believe, and then move forward in that belief. So do it. Maybe even get some outside help. Have somebody come in and do some training. Partner with another church to do something. There's so many things you can do. So many things. Just try it. If you're a church with no pastor, which a lot of our churches don't have a pastor, well, you know what? No big deal. No big deal. There's lots of resources out there for studying the Bible itself or understanding biblical concepts, like through life studies and topical studies. A great, great, great resource is rightnowmedia.org. All one word, right as in like your right hand, now as in now is the time, media as in videos.org. Um, you sign up for an account based on your church size, and there are hundreds of thousands of studies on there. I mean, so many. And you can watch the videos and create your own study, or you can buy the resources that they have through Amazon to support the people that made them. There's, that's like a go-to, I would say, to get started. There's just, it's almost too much to choose from. So that's why I say with your discipleship team, have the conversation about what you're looking for in terms of groups and how you're going to grow in your church. Then look at that resource. Look at what UMC Discipleship offers. Um, There's often study guides that go together with their worship planning for small group study. Great place to start as well. So the bottom line of all of this is to know that real faith, it doesn't develop in a vacuum. It just doesn't develop on Sunday mornings. It just doesn't happen through preaching, I'm sorry. Preaching ought to guide people to the groups towards the discipleship process and encourage people into it, but then also celebrate it. And celebrate what God is doing, connect it with what God has done in the past, and hope for what God is going to do in the future in your local church. Small groups provide a great avenue to continue in faith during the week, so other things don't take the place of authentic faith during the week. Next time, I'm going to be talking about connecting people. Because when you have groups in your church, it makes it a lot easier for people to get involved. People are not looking, and I say this with love, people are not looking to be greeters. They're not looking to be scripture readers. They're not looking to help with the bulletins. Those things are necessary and important, and down the line you could do those, but those are not the first things that people are looking to connect with. They want to do some hands-on things, but they want to do some mission work, but they also want authenticity and faith. They want to learn. So get some groups going where they can get plugged in, they can learn, and they can grow. That is a discipleship process. And so next time we'll be talking about connecting people. So in the meantime, pray about what groups are going to look like in your church. Talk with one another and your people of peace and your discipleship team about doing some kind of group together uh, or being a group with one another Look at what you're going to study and just give it a shot. Give it a try. Trust in God. He'll lead you. Take that step. Trust in the Spirit. Move with the Spirit. Pray for eyes being open and ears to hear. And man, He's going to lead you into so many great things, it's ridiculous. So I'm praying for you, brothers and sisters, and I love you. Praise God. And until next time, 
press on.